And now I want to show you some pictures this morning, okay? And what I want you to do is see if you can identify, you know, what's going on in, in what I'm about to show you. So I'm going to show you some things, and you, you tell me what you see, all right? Let's start here. All right, take a look. Anyone recognize this? Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing it kind of murmur throughout. What you're looking here is a picture of our outdoor Easter sunrise service here at Fellowship of Faith. We've been doing this for a number of years now. Rain or shine, snow or warmth, we gather outside by bonfires on Easter Sunday. People come and give testimonies of faith, people who are giving their lives to Christ, people who are being baptized, um, judging by the length of the hair. I, I think we're um, looking at, uh, sorry, I hit the wrong button. We're looking at Garrett right there who plays guitar for us. I think that's Mike next to him. That might be Chloe. Maybe you could see some other names in there, but what we're looking at is this past Easter sunrise. You can see this okay? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay, let's do another one. Tell me what you see. What do we got here? Food. Well, I guess they're, I think it's amazing that we fixate right there in this like image. <laughs> see where our hearts are at. What do you see it in the context of? Fellowship and fellowship where? The coffee house of faith. If you're, if you're being really perceptive, you'll see that it's before our construction project was complete. You could see some of the old colors of the furniture, these high top tables smashed together. But we did have the barn doors in, so we were already expanded out. But we're seeing a gathering here, right? A gathering arguably sometime in the last several months. You can see this okay, right? See it? Okay, good deal. Good deal. Let's do another. What do, you, what do we see? What do you see? We're looking at a worship gathering here at Fellowship of Faith. I'll give you a little context on this one. You could see me right there and a long line of people. Yeah, is it hitting for some of you? This past Pentecost, just basically got up and gave Peter's sermon from Acts chapter 2, and over 150 of you lined up to come and be baptized or to recommit your life to Christ in some kind of way. Let me show you another one. Tell me, can you see it okay? Can you see this? Yeah? Yeah, we're, we're looking at this room here. There seems to be a lot of kids that are gathered around. That's actually my youngest daughter right there. I don't know whose hands those are. Um, I'd like to find out, but, but what do we have here? Bible boot camp. Bible boot camp. All right. Bible boot camp, by the way, is our vacation Bible school, but on steroids here at FOF. We do, we do it every year. This was this past year's, I believe. Okay, tell me what you see. We see musicians, specifically Chris Stanek on the keys and Miles playing guitar. All right. All right. Tell me what you see. Huh. We've got a compilation now. Start to work through it. What are some things that you see? Well, we see a monk, like, like a Halloween costume right here. We hope, anyway. We, we see what? That looks like Steve, right? There's Miles, and again, there's headless Steve. 
We have some knees. It looks like children's ministry, Bible boot camp. Would you agree? Is this what you're seeing? Okay, let's try one more. Yeah, it's getting a little tighter. It's getting a little tighter. We've got Melinda the Nun. Some of our pictures are coming into better resolution, but it's expanding out to some other Halloween outfits. One that I find fascinating, if you're looking closely enough, some of you um, old schoolers maybe have seen this. Do you catch this top? Right. Probably from 15 years ago, before our stage, when the worship team used to gather in this corner, before that room even existed, it's Christmas time, at least I hope it would be odd Easter decoration. You see this okay, right? You see this? Okay. You're pretty confident in what you see. I don't think you're seeing it at all. Because what you're seeing is this. And a thousand more pictures besides. Every single one of those pictures that I've shown you are pictures that constitute this image. If you want to see, let me back it up. You can start to see the color gradients, the juxtapositions, the changes, all that are just small parts of a greater whole, of a greater picture, of a greater image that you would not be able to see, that you didn't see, that you didn't see and couldn't see unless I showed it to you, right? None of us here identified the picture. Not one of us here were able to see until it was shown to us, do you see? You will never be able to see who Jesus really is without the Holy Spirit showing him to you. However good your eyes might be, however confident you are in your perception of what's before you, you will never be able to see who Jesus really is if it is not shown to you. If the Holy Spirit does not reveal the bigger picture. Now, all this season, we've been rooting our worship life in a, in a prayer that we've modified from basically some writings that Martin Luther did on the Holy Spirit. He was commenting on, on, on a classic Christian um, statement of faith called the Apostles' Creed, where there's a simple throwaway line that simply goes like this, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And in writing on that, we've taken some of his insights into what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and transformed it into a prayer. And if you don't have it down yet from these past couple months, I just want to flash the first part of it on the screen again for you this morning, where it says this. I believe that I cannot by my own thinking or choosing believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. 
Holy Spirit, call me by the gospel. Enlighten me. I wonder, for how many of us who are gathered here, how many weeks we've been gathering here on a Sunday or tuning in and saying this and praying this, but don't actually believe a word of what we're saying. Because I think a lot of us think that we can actually see, that we actually can choose or believe that we actually are pretty confident in our spiritual ability and our spiritual line of sight and our ability and strength of perception of what's before us to see the nature of God and his son, Jesus the Christ. I think for most of us, despite what we say, we actually think that way. But see, Luther's big push was that without the Holy Spirit, none of us can actually see. We can't see Jesus for who he truly is. We can't see what God is really up to on the scene unless the Holy Spirit shows it to us. And so, why we pray, Holy Spirit, enlighten me. What are we saying God, I am groping in the dark when it comes to spiritual things. By my own reason or strength, I don't know who you are or can't see you. I need you to show yourself to me, God. I need you to reveal yourself to me, God. I need you to show me who you are. Give me the big picture. Because all I see is what's right before my eyes. To me, what's right before my eyes becomes the sum total of reality. But Lord, I want to see more. And I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it without you. So we pray this. Enlighten me. Shine light into the situation. Shine light into the darkness that surrounds my spiritual eyes. Are you with me this morning? And what this means? There's this amazing passage that I want to open to today, a story that has a lot more going on than simply a miracle. I want to show it to you today. It comes from Luke chapter 18. And let me begin. And it says this. Jesus, it says, took the 12, you know, the 12 inner disciples. He took the 12 aside and told them, look, here's the gig. We're going to Jerusalem. And everything that is written by the prophets about me, about the Son of Man, will be fulfilled. So we're going to go to Jerusalem and everything that the Old Testament has been crafted upon has been leaning towards and hinting at that the prophets of old have been seeing and proclaiming. All of it is about to be fulfilled when we go there. He, Jesus referring to himself, he will be mocked. They will mock him. They will insult him. They will spit on him. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Pause. Could Jesus speak more plainly? 
This isn't a trick question. Could he speak more plainly? Where are we going? What's it going to do? It's going to fulfill everything that's been written, right? What's going to happen when we get there? I'm going to be mocked and what else? And flogged and spit upon and I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles, right? And I'm going to be killed. And then what's going to happen three days later? Now you might not like it. You might not believe it. But could he speak more plainly? I mean, maybe the only other way would be to get like the sock puppets out to demonstrate. And I love where this story goes next. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning, is that significant? Was hidden from them. They could not see. Jesus was right there before their eyes, speaking as plainly as a human being can speak, and yet they could not see. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't grasp it. They couldn't, they couldn't come to terms with it. They did not know what he was talking about. And immediately thereafter, Luke tells the story like this. He says, as Jesus approached Jericho, there was a blind man sitting by the roadside begging And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening because he couldn't see. And they told him what? Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus of Nazareth? Mm -mm. Son of David, have mercy on me. Because you know what? With the Holy Spirit, even the blind can see. The disciples whose eyes were as perfect as could be, spot on 2020 vision, with Jesus standing literally right there before them, speaking to them audibly, as clearly as a human being could speak. And they couldn't see a thing. And yet, a blind man who couldn't see anything was able to actually. See, do you see what I mean? Are you following what I mean? When I say that none of us can see Jesus clearly for who he truly is. None of us can truly see God or what he's up to in this world without the Holy Spirit showing it to me. The story goes on. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And you know what he did? He shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Because when you see Jesus clearly, nothing stops you. And Jesus stopped. And he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? You ever like dreamed of a moment like that? You pray and pray into what feels like the void. 
What'd you do if God showed up? I mean, like physically, tangibly in the room, like Jesus, like opens the door to the closet. Hey, you know, I've been hanging here and, you know, (laughs) comes out and goes, okay, so I've been listening to you for like the last 18 years. Why? Like, so what do you want me to do? What would you say to him? Let me tell you what this man said. Lord, I want to see. This should be the prayer of every human being. Lord, I want to see. Because none of us will see God for who he truly is without the Holy Spirit allowing us to. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the bigger picture and removes our spiritual blindness. Because all of us are spiritually blind. All of us. I like how 2 Corinthians happens to put this. Let me just show it on the screen. Paul will write that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? It's worse than just being blind. Paul seems to indicate that the powers of this age, the God of this age, the malevolent spirits at work of this age are actually working against you. That you're blind and they are trying to blind you. And it would seem succeeding in the, ta- succeeding in the task. That the God of this age is blind to the minds of unbelievers. That we are blind, we are spiritually blind without the spirit of God. The whole passage is worthwhile. I encourage you sometime today, go back a several verses to like 2 Corinthians 3, 13-ish, if you will. Read ahead for the next 10 verses beyond. The whole thing will situate the context of what he's talking about here. How day after day and week after week, people will hear about God. People will even have the Bible, the words of the Bible before them. But the very words themselves, they're like, it's like a veil, it says, is covering it, blocking it from being truly understood or perceived. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, the veil is removed. Only God can help us to understand what he is actually talking about, even when it's said with the clearest, most plain words, like Jesus with his disciples It's only by the Holy Spirit that we can see because all of us are blind. All of us are blind. But when the Spirit of God brings us to Christ and we come to faith in him, scales, scales start to fall from the eyes. I like to think about it like this. All of us have spiritual cataracts. Some of you have faced these in your life. This clouding of the lens 
that puts a buffer, if you will, over an otherwise perfectly healthy, normal, functioning eye. It creates a block, a blindness, if you will. It distorts and grays out. And no matter what, you can't will it away, wish it away. It takes someone else to remove it so that you can see clearly again. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He removes the cataracts from our spiritual eyes. The Bible will talk about hardness of heart. I think we kind of get that. We understand how cholesterol will harden our arteries and eventually choke our heart so it dies. And we can make the analogy easy enough to understand how sin hardens our heart until it eventually chokes it out and we spiritually die. But I'd like to suggest a different metaphor today, one that I believe the biblical authors may have even used if they understood 21st century ophthalmology. Not just a hardening of heart, but a spiritual cataract as well. That sin blinds us. Oh, maybe not the sins that we think we do, like going out and committing some infraction or some transgression or trespass. No, I'm talking about the more general stative kinds of things, the apathy that we carry towards God, the lack of attention that we give him, the things that we fixate on that end up mesmerizing us and then blinding us from the true light of who truly is and, and cloud our vision over time until we become spiritually blind. Sin is a cataract. And it's not content to just stay status quo. It keeps blinding and blinding more. Let me show you another way that the Bible will talk about this. From Ephesians chapter 4. It's long, but you're able. Paul again writes, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. It's like, you know, really guys, you can't get around this one. As if you can get around the rest of the Bible. But I really mean this one. You can't live as the Gentiles do anymore. In the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding. They don't, they don't see and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, the cataracts of their eyes, having lost all sensitivity to feeling, to acuity, to light. They wander around. They give themselves over to sensuality, only seeing what's immediately before them so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new 
in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were called to see. The Holy Spirit comes to remove that cataract. You've been called to see and live in the light of who God reveals himself to truly be. His ways and his purpose and what he's up to on the scene. The Holy Spirit removes the hardness from our hearts and the cataracts from our eyes so that we can see God clearly. There are so many people that I've talked to that want to see so that they can therefore believe. And I get it. I get it. But the way of Jesus is different than that. And it approaches the same issue somewhat differently. It invites us instead to trust God and believe so that by trusting in him and believing, then we can finally see. You know, C.S. Lewis, that like amazing Christian writer from a century past, puts it this way. Maybe you've seen this. If not, I just love these words. A former atheist who came to Christ pens, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given the opportunity to see clearly everything else that God is desiring to show us. Here's what it'll help you see. It'll help you see that despite the fact that you're a nice person and people like you, and that you've stayed out of trouble with the law and relatively get along with your neighbors, that you're a sinner. It'll help you to see that. That you are a sinner who has fallen so far short of the glory and the holiness and the goodness of God. Most people can't see. No, they can't see it. No, God will help you see yourself clearly and how desperately you need God in your life. This is what it'll help you see. That you need him and his body of believers. That no matter how self-sufficient you are, no matter how independent and able you are because of your achievements and your intelligence and your ability, that you need God desperately. And you need his body too. That you need communion, if you will. Without him, you won't see. You won't see. Let me read some others to you. You'll see this, that you need to forgive that person. Even though what they did was wrong, 
And even though you hate them with every fiber of your being, and even though they are about as close as you get to the incarnation of evil before your eyes, you know what? You'll see that you need to forgive people like these. Here's what the Holy Spirit will help you see. That you need to be more concerned with what God is telling you than what you want to do. Here's what it'll help you see. That his vision is better than your preferences, likes. And what you want to do, here's what it'll help you see. That you're forgiven in Jesus even though it doesn't feel like you are? Here's what it'll help you see, that his grace is sufficient even in your weakness. Here's what it'll help you see, that his grace abounds all the more, that it is unlimited even for a person like you. Here's what it'll help you see, that you will live forever even though you're dying. Here's what it'll help you see, that you can have joy even though you're broken and mourning. Here's what it'll help you see that truly blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn and blessed are those who are wimpy, mild, and meek. Here's what it'll help you see that truly blessed are those who hunger and thirst particularly for righteousness, that blessed are those who are merciful. That despite everything the world shows us, that truly blessed are those who are pure in heart and blessed are those who are peacemakers. And what's worse, it'll help you see that blessed are those who, believe it or not, are even persecuted. For Jesus' name. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't think we would see any of those things. But God wants to show you a bigger picture. It's right before your eyes. Oh God, enlighten us. Amen? So let's ask for it. Because I need it. I want to see. And I know a lot of you do too. Please, if you would, just stand up as we pray together. Lord, We want to see. We want to see you clearly. We want to see your way. We want to see what you want to show us about yourself and ourselves. About this world in which we live. About history and destiny. Lord, we come before you as blind men at the side of the road crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us today. We're lost without you. We're blind without you. We're crippled without you. We're stuck in the side of the road, destitute, with nothing without you. Help us to see. Help us to see. Help us to see the call that you are making here right now to call on you as Savior and Lord. Take the cataracts from our eyes, the fat from our hearts. Enlighten us, we pray, to know you, love you, trust you more, live by your grace, and walk in your ways. We started this message with the excerpt of the prayer. I think its words are poignant now more than ever. We'll put it on the screen. I just invite you to pray it with me. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Holy Spirit, call me by the gospel. Enlighten me with your gifts. Sanctify and keep me in the true faith. Call, gather, enlighten, and sanctify the whole Christian church on earth. Keep us with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, forgive all my sins and those of all believers. On the last day, raise me and all the dead. Give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. Amen. Let me show you something today. Let me show you a mental image of a cross or a tangible one if you need to see it up there. Imagine Jesus crucified to it. To the Gentiles, nothing more than another failed revolutionary. But to those who could see something so much more, the very act of God bringing forgiveness, sight, restoration, Can you see it? Can you see it? It's what God is trying to show you today. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took a cup after supper, he gave thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink of this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So come and do this in remembrance of me. What do you see? Some tasteless bread? A bit of wine? Or something more? What do you see? 
people gathered to sing a song, to hear a message or something more? What do you see? Nothing? Or the very spirit of God surrounding you? looking to work in your life. Welcome to something deeper and clearer than what stands before the eye.